Good morning and welcome to Bridge Church Online. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so we may receive grace in our time of need. Let's thank Him for His grace as we worship together. You have brought me to water Where my past can be swept away In the current of your mercy And I know I'll never be the same
couch or in your car, I want to encourage you guys that death is defeated, hope will arise, Christ is risen and he is for us, he is for you, and he is for your family, and we sing, our weapon is a melody, so would you join with us, and would you sing a hallelujah, come on, we sing this out, come on, hey! Come, will you meet me here? 
doesn't matter where you're at in your walk with God, it's always good to know that every time we reach out to him, every time we cry out to him, he's happy to have us join him and be in relationship with him. We're at the beginning of our time of worship, Pastor Aaron uh, referenced Hebrews chapter 4, where it says that we can come boldly before the throne of grace and obtain mercy. And I love that thought to know that God is so kind to us that we can come boldly before his throne and obtain mercy. I think sometimes we see God through the lens of our experience, through the lens of our failures, even our mistakes, and sometimes we want to come to God sheepishly, feeling as though we don't deserve to be there. You know, it's true we don't deserve his goodness, but that's why it's called mercy, and that's why it's called grace. And isn't it beautiful that he would extend grace and mercy to us in such a way that we can come boldly and reach to him and look to him and ask for his grace to help us in our time of need. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know if you're walking through a difficult season. Maybe things are going really well for you, but I just want to take a moment and just cry out to God boldly together. Let's just ask him to be involved, to extend his grace, to extend his kindness and his mercy to us. Come on, let's reach out boldly right now. Father, we thank you that you are good. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you are for us. We thank you that we can run to you, not from you, when things are going difficultly in our life, Father. We're so grateful, God, that when we come to you, you give us grace and mercy, those things that we do not deserve, but it's such a beautiful expression of your love and your kindness toward us. So, Father, we thank you for that. We worship you for that. We praise you that you have accepted us and you have received us because of Jesus. And it's that grace and that mercy that we are so incredibly thankful for today. We ask, God, that you would flood our lives, every area of our life, with your goodness, Father, so that we can be the light that you have called us to be in the world in which we live. We thank you, Jesus, that if you are for us, there is nothing that can be against us. Boldly we come into your presence today and thank you for who you are and all that you've done in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, I don't know about you, but I'm so, so grateful to know that God receives me and he welcomes me into his family. Right there where you're at in your home today, that is the house of God. And we are so grateful that you are joining us for church online today. It's going to be an awesome day in the house, in your house, knowing that God has good things in store for us today. We're going to move forward with our service here in just a moment, but make sure you get you get comfy right now. If you want to get a refill of that coffee, get comfortable where you're at because it's a good word coming your way here in just a few moments. But before we get into God's word, let's check out church news together. God bless you. Hey, Bridge family, we're so glad that you're joining us today for Church Online. Before we get into the message, we want to keep you up to date with what's happening in church life during this season. So here's a look at what's going on at the Bridge. Hey, everyone. Our Bridge Kids Summer Online Experience Fast Forward is coming soon. Yep, it's going to be July 6th through 9th with songs, skits, Bible stories, games, and a take-home craft for each day. This is the time for your kids to reach forward and discover the great and awesome things God has for them. We know your kids will have a good time joining us online and learning truths straight from God's Word. The cost is just $10 per child, so go to our website, thebridgechurch.tv, and register your child for this fun-filled summer experience online. Because we want to keep your kids connected with God this summer. Right now is the time to get your kids all set up for their Bridge Kids online service. 
just go to our website, thebridgechurch.tv slash kids. There, your kids can watch the service and access the downloadable activities designed just for them. You can also find it by going to the Bridge Kids Facebook page. We are excited to keep your kids connected with God and their church family. What's up, Bridge Church family? I want to let you know about something awesome happening this Sunday night, June 14th, 6 p.m. We're doing another outdoor service. The last two weeks have been absolutely amazing. We wanted to do another one. So this Sunday night, we'll be getting together for some prayer, worship, and a short word right out here in the plaza. So if you want to sit outside with us, bring your lawn chairs, bring some blankets. We can spread out, distance, everything like that. Hey, if you want to watch from your car, maybe even tailgate, bring your car. We will have an FM transmitter ready for you. Bring the whole family. It's going to be an awesome time together, church. We'll see you Sunday night at 6 p.m. God and each other. So make sure to hop on our Wednesday night online experience at 7 p.m. Follow us on all of our social media platforms at BridgeYTH underscore. Our community care program is distributing food every Sunday to people who might be in need of assistance. Distribution happens at 1045 a.m. each Sunday in the back of our church building. If you or anyone you know is in need during this season, we encourage you to come and receive from community care. We are here to help. We also want to say a big thank you to our team who serves so selflessly every weekend, as well as everyone who is generously given during this unprecedented season. Because of you, we are able to lend a helping hand and show the love of Jesus to people right here in the Temecula Valley. If you want to stay connected and informed, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. This is the easiest way to stay up to date on what's happening as things change from day to day. You can also stay informed by downloading the Bridge app. Just text the keywords, the Bridge Church app to 77977. For more general info, log on to our website, thebridgechurch.tv. We love you, church. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's Pastor Gary. Good morning and happy Sunday to you. I'm so glad you've chosen to be with us this morning. And as we've been saying, make your house God's house. Uh, I know in a time of worship this morning that already you've sensed the presence of God. And now we're going to dive into God's word with some things that I think are really important for the hour we're living in. And we've been in this series really for this whole lockdown time that we're calling Extraordinary. Living extraordinary lives, standing out from the crowd, following Jesus and living the kind of life he's provided for us. You know, John 10, 10, Jesus said the thief or Satan comes to steal, kill and destroy the things that God's given to us. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. You might have it more abundantly. It literally means super abundantly with God's involvement in our lives. So 
We're going to talk about extraordinary living today. And I want to look at three extraordinary questions from a time of crisis. Three extraordinary questions from a time of crisis. And, you know, our world, our society is in a little bit of a crisis right now, depending on how you see it. But I want to look at God's word today from Mark chapter 4. And it's a really familiar passage of scripture. And I've preached on this many times. I'm sure Zach's preached on it. Anne's talked about it to you. We've all taught from this passage of Scripture because it's so well known and it's, there's so much in it to look at. But I want to see it from a slightly different angle today because I want to look at three questions that come out of this story during a time of crisis. Mark chapter 4, Jesus has instructed his disciples to get into a boat. They're going to cross the sea, go to the other side. And so he says, you know, get in the boat. We're going to the other side. And then Jesus goes to the back of the boat and goes to sleep because some of these disciples are fishermen. They know how to operate a boat. And so they get in the boat and they start their journey. And while they're out on the journey, a storm arises. We're going to pick it up. Mark chapter four, verse 37. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. Now, think about those words for just a moment. Wind begins to blow, the waves get higher and higher, and all of a sudden, the boat starts filling up. Several years ago, I went with a couple of friends of mine, and we took their boat from uh, Huntington Beach area out to Catalina Island. We fished. We started home late afternoon and a really strong wind started blowing and it got so high. The waves were much higher than the boat and this little boat was being thrown here and there and everywhere. And it had a, a bar rigging that ran over the top of the boat where you could attach rods and lines and different things to it. And I held on to that all the way back on that long journey. It didn't seem like a long journey going to Catalina Island, but getting back from Catalina Island was a really long journey. And it was so, so devastating being out in those waves. And there were moments when the boat went sideways and the, the waves are tossing in a little bit. It was a little bit terrifying for me. The next three days, my arms were so sore from all the stress and the pressure of hanging on to the rigging of that boat. But I can only imagine, and I want to ask you today, to imagine yourself in the boat with Jesus. You're one of the disciples. We are disciples, followers of Jesus. Put yourself in the boat today. Put yourself in that scene. Because the boat is now taking on water, and it says it's filling up with water. Look at verse number 38. But Jesus was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and they said to him, Teacher, now notice these words, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Verse 39, Then Jesus arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. In the original writings, he literally just got up and said, Be quiet. Be quiet. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Verse 40, Jesus said to them, Jesus said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? 
We're going to look at three questions this morning out of this story that are asked in the story. Question one, does God care about what I'm dealing with? These disciples in the middle of the storm went and woke Jesus up and their words were teacher. In the original writings, the word teacher is sometimes interpreted master. Maybe a more accurate translation would be master teacher, someone that really knows your stuff. You know, these guys have been following Jesus for a while now. This is still somewhat in the early part of Jesus' ministry, but they've seen him work several miracles. They've seen lepers cleansed. They've seen people healed of amazing diseases. They've seen him cast out demons. He's turned water into wine. Jesus has done a lot of amazing things. And these guys raise up and they wake Jesus up and say, Jesus, I mean, they're terrified. They're afraid because the boat's filling up with water. Jesus, master teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? What a question. Maybe today you're looking around in your world saying, where's God in all this? Does God care that we are in tough times? Does God care about what I'm dealing with right now? I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of that. I, these things are saying this and all the circumstances, all the voices around me are telling me that we need to be afraid because there's no way out. Does God care about what's going on in my boat today, in my life, in my world? It's always amazed me. I, I still don't understand it to this day. Jesus has ministered all day. They get in this boat. They start the journey. The wind starts blowing. I mean, the ship's being tossed here and there. The waters, the waves are tossing into the boat. It's getting filled with water. But somehow Jesus is still dry in the back of the boat, sound asleep. I don't know how that happened. I mean, he was God, but he was man. He was in a flesh and blood body like you and me. While the storm is raging, Jesus sleeps in the boat. I think sometimes when we encounter storms, we misinterpret God's silence. Just because God's not jumping up and down, holding our hands, yelling and screaming with us, I think sometimes we think because God is quiet, God doesn't care. Nothing could be further from the truth. God knows everything that's going on in your life. Just because God is silent, it doesn't mean he doesn't know, doesn't mean he doesn't care. You know, sometimes I think just because God doesn't do things the way we think he should as quickly as we ask him to, sometimes we think God's asleep in the back of the boat. Sometimes we wonder if God's even in the boat with us. But don't misinterpret God's silence. Just because he's not doing it our way doesn't mean he doesn't know a better way and doesn't mean he doesn't care. You know, Jesus taught the disciples. He said, not one little bird can fall from the sky and die without the father knowing it. And then Jesus took it one step further. He said, the numbers of hairs on your head, God knows that number. Now, you know, we make jokes about it. And you can say, well, yeah, God doesn't take you. you know, he doesn't take very long to count your hair. It's not about how many hairs are on our heads. It's the fact that the number is always changing. And yet God always knows that number. If you ask him how many hairs are on your head today, God can tell you that number. Your barber can't tell you that. 
Your hairdresser can't tell you that. Bosley can't tell you that. But God knows that number because he's concerned about every detail of our lives. Even the things you are dealing with today that are bringing great fear into your life, God knows about it and he wants to address it. And, and then if you'll notice the next part of this first question, the disciples, when they woke Jesus up, they said, Master, teacher, Master, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? When they said we, they weren't referring to them and then Jesus. They're putting Jesus with them in the lump. Don't you know that all of us, including you, we're about to perish here? You know, that word perish literally means we're about to die. They wake Jesus up. Jesus, you, me, we, us, we all are about to go down in this boat and die. Don't you care? How can you sleep in this storm? Don't you care about what's going on here? Jesus, when they wake him up, you know, calms the sea, settles everything down. Peace, be still, be quiet. I was reading in my Bible this week and during my time of study, you know, every Bible is a little different. There are all kinds of Bibles and study Bibles and different ways they're set up. But all of my Bibles that I have, they divide all the sections. And when you're reading through Mark's gospel or any of the gospels, it, it divides it up into this story, this teaching, this story, this teaching. So as you go along, you kind of know what the headline is for the story that's coming. It's like looking at a newspaper. Here's the headline, and then here's what happens in the story. In my Bible, the headline here for this, or the storyline is, Jesus calms the storm. Now, you can read that story, and you can say, well, what's the story about? Well, Jesus has the power to calm the storm. Great, great. But let's move forward a little further, because there's a second question that comes up. The disciples said, Jesus, don't you care we perish? And he settles the storm, and then Jesus asks them a question. But Jesus' question has two parts. Jesus asks, why are you so fearful? Why? See, Jesus looks into the face of all those guys, each one of them, and says, why are you so fearful? I think today in this message, because the word of God is alive, it's powerful. I think today in this message, God is looking at us saying, why are you? Why? Why is it? Why are you so fearful? Anytime I'm reading the Bible and I'm studying, anytime God asks a question, it always causes me to laugh. Because God doesn't ask questions looking for information. God already knows everything. God doesn't ask us questions so that we can inform him. God asks us questions so that we can face what's going on in our own lives. All throughout scripture, every time God asks a question, he already knows the answer. He just needs you to know the answer to that question. Our lives cannot change. We cannot grow in God unless we understand why we do things this way, why we think such things, why we believe such things. And Jesus says, why are you so fearful? 
I'm, I'm really surprised. Every time I read this story, I'm really surprised nobody said anything. I, I can't believe it that Peter didn't speak up. You know, Peter always had the right answer at the wrong time or the wrong answer at the right time, however you want to look at it. Peter always had something to say. Not even Peter said a word here. Jesus asked, why are you so fearful? But I, I kind of think I know what Peter was thinking. I think Peter's kind of thinking, duh, duh. Why am I so fearful? Look around. The boat's filling up with water. The wind's blowing. The waves are tossing. This boat's about to sink. See, I, I think what Peter's thinking is, now Jesus, uh, teacher, master teacher, I know that you're a carpenter. I know you were raised in a carpenter's house, and you may know how to build a great boat. But some of us here, we're fishermen. We know what happens when boats, even a great boat, built by a master craftsman, we know what happens to a boat when it takes on too much water. It's going to sink and people are going to die. I'll guarantee you that's what these guys are thinking. What are you thinking today? Facing the world and all that's going on around us. If Jesus asked you today, why are you so fearful? What do you say? Probably nothing, but in the back of your mind, you're thinking, duh, what a stupid question. Why am I fearful? Look around at what's going on. But then Jesus in this question takes it to the second half. He says, how is it that you have no faith? How is it that you're so fearful and you don't believe that things are going to be okay? How is that? How is it you have no faith? And, and I think in, in part, if you stretch this out and look at the context of it, it's still early in Jesus' ministry, but these guys have seen all these miracles. And Jesus says, after seeing all that you've seen, when I said to you, let's get in the boat and go to the other side, how can you not believe we're going to make it to the other side? How can you believe we're not going to get through this storm? How do you believe that this storm can take us down and kill us? How is it you have no faith? Why is it you still... Don't trust me. Believe me. After all you've seen me do, why do you not trust my word and my promises and my voice? And I think this brings us to a really important truth that I want to interject right here. We say it all the time. Fear and faith are opposites. They are. But in reality, fear is faith that's placed in disaster rather than the promises of God. Fear is faith believing circumstances more than believing God and the promises he's made in his word. That's what fear really is. I think this morning, maybe while we're sitting in the boat with Jesus after the storm has been settled, maybe we can ask ourselves the question. Some of us will do this a few weeks from now, a few months from now, when things settle down. We'll ask ourselves the question, well, why was I so afraid? Why was I so fearful? Why did I not believe God? Let me ask you today, 
What is God's track record in your life? What is God's reputation in your life? What did he say he would do? What has he done? Who is he? What is he? May I ask a question today? In every circumstance of life, or maybe God would ask us the question today. Why do we not believe what God says? Why do we not put our faith in what God says? And then I I think there's a third question here that I want you to notice. After Jesus asked these guys about fear and faith, then all of a sudden they look at each other. And it's interesting, the wording of scriptures, it says then they're in exceeding fear. I mean, did you see what just happened? First it's a storm, he speaks, and now it's peace. And they are really in awe trying to sort this thing out. They don't get it. And their question is, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? You see, the disciples' question reveals their greatest weakness. They didn't even know who was in the boat with him. They didn't realize who was in their boat. Jesus knew the disciples had to learn to have faith in every situation of life, but that wasn't going to happen until they understood who he was and what he was and what he brought into the boat when he got in the boat with them. I mentioned the headline of the story. My Bible says Jesus stills the storm. The real headline of the story is the disciples still don't understand who Jesus is. That's the real headline of this story. Why were they so afraid? Why did they have no faith? They didn't understand who Jesus was. Sometimes we don't understand who Jesus is, who God is in our lives. They were engulfed with fear. Think about it. They're engulfed with fear, fearing for their lives, and they didn't understand that the Prince of Peace is sitting in the boat with them. They didn't realize it. I think what Jesus asked was, why are you so afraid? Do you not understand who I am? As I listen to so many voices of society today, I'm aware, I know, there is so much fear in our world. And everywhere you turn, every voice you listen to almost is speaking fear, 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 fear. We live in this world, but we're not of this world. And Sometimes I think we miss the voice of God in the middle of all the other voices. We fail to understand what he's trying to tell us. There's so many screaming voices, so much wind blowing. that We think he's in the back of the boat asleep and he doesn't care what's going on. All these voices add to our fear. I was uh, watching television a couple weeks ago. And I've seen this same commercial three or four, five times. This woman newscaster is is advertising this show she's going to have that she's hosting. And she takes a clip out of the show and she asks this expert the question. Okay, going forward, what should our fears be? When I heard that, it went all over me. And I thought, what? What? 
Going forward, what should our fears be? Going forward, we shouldn't have fear. We should be trusting God. Going forward, I don't need to ask the world. I don't need to ask society, okay, what fear do I grab next? What do I take into my life now? What other doubt and unbelief is bigger than God's word? Give me fear, give me fear, give me fear. And yet people every day are going into all types of media looking for more fear. Okay, tell me what to be afraid of next. And all the while, Jesus is trying to be the prince of peace in our lives, but yet we ignore his voice and we don't even hear what God says about our lives and what's going on we miss it you know there's a there's a big difference between concern and fear and I'm, I'm gonna run fast the next few minutes and give you a lot of stuff from God's Word so listen closely as I move quickly there's a big difference between being concerned about something and living in fear of something let, let me illustrate it to you those of us who've been parents or we've been around young children parents have to teach children there are certain things you, you just don't want to do because they hurt you. For example, um, a fire or a stove. You have to teach a child, don't touch this, it's hot. Most kids have to touch it once to learn their lesson. And then they realize, wow, watch out for that. A lot of us know what it is to tell our children, don't touch that electrical outlet, don't put anything in there, but most children have to put something in there one time to find out what it's about. I gotta be honest with you, I did it two or three times when I was a kid, but I finally learned, leave it alone. See, there are things in life I need to be concerned about. Don't touch a hot stove. Don't stick a screwdriver in an electrical outlet. Don't do this. There are certain things that I need to be concerned about. Uh, let me give you another story. A few years ago, I was out on the golf course with, the, with a good friend of mine, and uh, I'd hit a golf ball into this, this group of bushes. And in this clump of bushes, you know, it's all grass around it, but where the ball landed was in these bushes, and there were huge bushes. They'd grown up probably 10, 12 feet high, and it's probably 12, 15 feet across the area where the bushes are, are planted. And it's down kind of in a hole, like, you know, maybe there was a water source down there. So my friend and I walk up and, and he says, I think it went right in there. I said, yeah, I think it did too. And I said, you look over there, I'll look over here. So he's looking on one side of the bushes, I'm looking on the other. And we start weeding in or, or working our way in, going through the weeds, trying to find this golf ball. And all of a sudden we hear a noise. We hear a rattlesnake go off rattling in these bushes. I mean, he's close to where we are. You know what we did? We both backed up and looked at each other and said, eh, I think we just leave the ball in there. And we laughed and walked away. You know what? It would be stupid for me to wade into those bushes with that rattlesnake in there warning me that he's in there. But it's not something that should cause fear in my life. I mean, I have an amazing respect, not just for rattlesnakes, any kind of snake. I don't care what kind of snake it is. I don't like it. I'm going to leave it alone. I'm going to stay away, away from it. But I don't live in fear of a rattlesnake biting me. Because I'm going to do my part to keep my distance. And I'm going to trust God to protect me if I stumble across one somewhere. That it'll sound, it'll give me a warning and I can move away. I'm not going to live in fear of a rattlesnake biting me every day. We've had rattlesnakes for years on our church property. Almost every year we have a rattlesnake out here that we find. I'm not afraid of a rattlesnake biting me. I just am smart enough to be concerned and stay away from them. You know, it's like a child. 
Child has a nightmare, a bad dream. They come wake you up. I'm so afraid. Mommy, Daddy, help me. I had a bad dream. What are you dreaming about? I dreamed I saw something in the closet moving. I'm afraid of it. You take them in there and you turn the lights on. You show them there's nothing in the closet. Oh, I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid. And you ask your child, why are you so afraid? What are you afraid of? There's nothing there. I think sometimes God looks at us and says, I just turned the lights on. I showed you there's nothing there to be afraid of. Why are you so fearful? Why do you expect the worst when I've promised you the best? I'm watching out for you. I'm in the boat. It's going to be okay. I was talking with a pastor friend last night. We had a dinner together. And I, I, he was asking me, what are you going to talk about tomorrow? And I was telling him about the message. And he said, well, just remember... And I've known this for years. I've heard many, many preachers say it. It's so true. Fear is faith placed in disaster rather than being placed in God. Fear is faith placed in disaster rather than being placed in God. Why, why are we so prone to fear? Why are we so prone to fear? You know, Hebrews chapter 2, I'm not going to read the verses. You can go look at it yourself later. It's verses 14 and 15. In Hebrews 2, it tells us that Jesus came to destroy the power and the bondage that death had over us. He destroyed the grip and the power of death, hell, and the grave. And he laughs at it and says, you know, death, where is your sting? And grave, where is your victory? I think a lot of us don't understand that the very foundation and core of our fears is death. Now, I'm, no, I'm in no hurry to go. Can I tell you that? I'm in no hurry to go. I'm loving life. God's got a purpose for me being here. I'm enjoying life as far as I'm concerned. I'm not finished yet. But on the flip side, when my time comes, I'm not going to fear that. Because I know God's word has made promises. I know what lies on the other side. I don't understand much of it, but I know when I leave this life, I go into the presence of God forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. I don't have eternal life someday. I have eternal life now. But I cross through this veil that is temporary to get into what is eternal. I don't want to go today. I'm in no hurry. I want to watch my grandkids grow up. I want to do a lot of things. I want to retire someday. Well, semi-retire. I want to slow down someday. But here's the point. I'm in no rush to go, but I'm not afraid to go. And I think there are a lot of us who've not yet settled that in our hearts. But the first thing that happens when Jesus Christ comes into our lives and moves in, he wants to take away the fear of death. He wants to settle it in your heart forever. And I'm going to tell you something. If you commit all of your heart and life to God, he will take away the fear of death. It'll take you a while to rethink it and understand it from the, the, the standpoint of God's word. But once you get that information and you get it in your heart, God will remove the fear of death. And when the fear of death at the end is removed, then it begins to remove all the fears that lie between here and death. God wants to take you out of the bondage a fear, the bondage of the fear of death. That's what Hebrews 2 tells us. If God would prepare us for the end of our journey, why would he not accompany us on the entire journey? Or I like to say it this way, 
Once you become a child of God, once the precious blood of Jesus is applied to your life, God has got too much invested in you to leave you alone and forsake you. He's going to be right there in the boat with you for the entire journey trying to help you along the way. And everything he's promised in his word is yours if you'll understand that, if you'll grasp it and wrap your heart around it. Doesn't mean we don't encounter storms. It means he keeps us safe through the storms. When we come out the other side, our faith is stronger. Our trust is stronger. We know more about who God is and what he is. We stop calling him master and teacher and we start calling him father, God of my life. Who is in your boat today? Who is in your boat? Who are you trusting? Who are you listening to? I love Romans chapter 8. And I, I want to do something today. I don't do this often. I want to give you homework. I know you're all so busy. You've got so much going today. Take you 10, 15 minutes to do this. Slowly read Romans chapter 8, trying to understand how much God the Father loves us and all that he wants to do in our lives. Romans 8, especially when you look at verses 14, 15, 16, They begin to give us information that needs to get in our hearts so we understand who God wants to be in our lives. He wants to be our Father. And the expression in there is that the Spirit of God moves into us, and when He moves inside of us, we have the right to cry out, Abba, Father, you are my heavenly Father. He's not just God. He's not just Master. He's not just Teacher. He's not some strange word out there. He wants to be our own personal, close, dear, loving Father. Someone we can trust above above every other voice that we hear in the world, an eternal voice, someone who will never leave us and never forsake us, someone who loves us so much he gave his own son to bring us into his family. And now he wants to give us the joy and the peace of being his children. That's what Romans 8 is all about. But let let me just give you a few thoughts out of here. My, my earthly father may have taught me to fear everything. Maybe your earthly father gave you all kinds of wrong thinking. Maybe he instilled fear in you. Maybe he jammed fear in you from the first day of your life, even up till now. Even if that's the case, your heavenly father wants to teach you to fear nothing. Oh, oh, could I really live that way? According to God's word, we can. I'll show you more in just a moment. Your heavenly father wants to change the things that earthly families and earthly people and those who helped form your life. He wants to change the wrong information. And he wants you to understand the love of a heavenly father who cares more about you than anybody else has ever cared about you. He wants to change how we see him. You know why some of us live in constant fear? It's because we're we're control freaks. We don't want to give God the steering wheel because we've been taught by people the name Father is not good. The name Father means fear. No, the name Father means peace. I'm going to tell you something. If you give God the steering wheel, you'll find out you'll go to a lot better places in life. Give Him control. Stop trying to control the things you can't control. Let Him have control of those things. It'll begin to settle the fears in your life. 
And you know, in, in Romans chapter 8, and like I said, read it today. Read it today. But in Romans chapter 8, there are, are three main thoughts that you'll find about the Father God. And I, I want you to see this in the next few minutes as I, as I finish. Number one, as children of God, we have the right to be led by the Spirit of God. As children of God, we have the right. It is your right. It is my right to be led by the Spirit of God. That, that's our right. That's our privilege to be led by the Spirit of God. And God's Spirit leads us to places of blessing, not places of destruction. See, what the disciples didn't understand, don't you care, we're perishing. They didn't understand. Jesus was taking them to places of blessing, not places of perishing, not places of destruction. And so they lived in fear. God doesn't want us to live with that kind of fear. Romans 8, 28, we know, we know, we know that all things, even the storms of life, all things work together for good to them that love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. When he becomes not just the Savior, but the Lord, this peace begins to come in because you know you've given him the steering wheel and you're working through the things you know, but he is navigating the things we can't see because he's God. He loves us and he wants to be our father. It's interesting, as, as you read through the Old Testament, there are three names that apply to God that, that I want to mention real quickly here. There are eight or nine compound names that refer to God. But one of the names is God is our shepherd. Did you know God wants to lead you to the right places? That's why he put his spirit in you. And it's our right to be led by his spirit. Yes, you and I, we can all be led by the spirit of God to the right places where we need to go. Another word is God our banner. And it really means the flag. Who, whose flag flies over your life? Whose flag flies over your life? All these voices out there, whose flag are you putting over your life? Who are you following? Who are you believing? Is it the voices that you hear around you? Is it social media voices? Is it television personalities? Is it hip hop culture? Who are you listening to? Is it a politician? You know what? You need to take that flag down and raise God's flag over your life. Because when he puts his banner over your life and you let him raise that flag, then he begins to take responsibility for the battles that we fight. And another name for God is Lord of hosts. Which means he's the God of all the angel armies. And I'm not talking about sweet little beings, pretty little female beings flying around with wings. No, big, strong, angelic beings, just like you see in the Bible. And they run to our rescue and they'll fight for us if we'll put our faith and our trust in God. He's the Lord of hosts. That's who's in the boat with us. And he'll fight our battles if we'll trust him. If I'm afraid of where my path is going that I'm probably not really following God too closely. I've taken the wheel and I'm taking my own path. If I'm on his path, his paths are paths of peace. And then the second thing in Romans 8, as children of God, we have the right to run to God and talk with him about everything that's going on in life. Everything. It's our right, your right, my right, individually. It's our right to go to God as a heavenly father, climb up in his lap, sit on his lap, look up in the face and say, Abba, Father, my loving father, here's what's going on in my life. Can you help me with these things? That's what the Lord's prayer is all about. 
recognizing who God is, our Father who art in heaven, and then climbing up in his lap and talking to him about all the things going on in life. It's our right. It's our privilege. And then, once we've talked to him, we can expect all the privileges of his word, all the privileges of being children of God are then rightfully ours. Romans 8 goes on to tell us, verses 16 and 17, as children of God, we're heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus. Jesus is the firstborn of many brothers. Jesus is our oldest brother in the family. And everything that is rightfully his from the Father is also rightfully ours. We are joint heirs with Jesus. He withholds no good gift from us. But we need to believe him for that. And it settles the fears we face in life. If I have a problem, my heavenly father's got an answer, but I need to talk to him about it. When you talk to God, don't just talk to him about problems, talk to him about answers. Because when you start talking to him about answering the problems, peace begins to push the fear out of our hearts and out of our lives. And then the third thing is children of God we don't have to live in the same fear in which others live who don't know God. Those who don't know God as their heavenly father, there's a reason for them to live in fear. Because there's no overriding power to get them through these storms of life. We don't have to live in that fear. All the voices in the world that you're listening to who don't know God, they're not going to tell you to trust God. They're going to tell you live in fear because bad has come upon us and we're never going to get out of us. Most of us are going to die and if this one doesn't get us, that one will. That's the voices going on around us. That's what we hear. That's not the voice of God. God has better plans for us. Romans 8, the latter part of the chapter talks about all the things in life that we can face. It says none of these things can separate us from the love of God. Don't fear these things. We're more than conquerors through Christ. Trust Him. You know, in, in Psalms 53, I won't have you turn there. Do it on your own. But Psalms 53, verse 5. God makes this amazing statement. He's talking about His children coming under attack from other people. God says this in Psalms 53, 5. He says, there they are in great fear. Where no fear was. For God has scattered the bones of him who encamps against you. You have put them to shame. You've put them to shame. You, I, we put the enemy to shame because God despises our enemy. See, God says, there they were in great fear when there was nothing to be afraid of because God will deal with our enemies. Can I just stretch that out for a moment? God says, fear is not for my children. Fear is for the godless. Fear is for the enemies trying to destroy my children. God says to our enemies, listen to this. God says to your enemies, don't mess with my kids. Leave them alone. What do we say to that? Romans 8. If God is for us, who can be against us? See, fear is not for us. It's for those who don't have the hope that we have in Christ Jesus.
And I'm not afraid of that bug, but it is bugging me. Finally, let, let me conclude. Throughout Scripture, throughout Scripture, no one has ever lost a battle walking with God, trusting God. Study it for yourself. No one's ever lost a battle while they've walked with God and trusted God. When I understand my heavenly father's love, when I understand who's in the boat with me, it begins to drive all the fear out of my life. It's not just a master. It's not just a teacher, not just a good guy. It's the God of the universe, and he's my father. When I understand that, it begins to push fear out of my life. First John chapter 4, verses 18 and 19 says it this way. When we understand the word of God, the perfected word, of God, the perfected love of God, the complete love of God that works in our life, it drives fear out of our lives because there's no fear in the love of God. Jesus said our heavenly father's desire to give to us is greater than any person we will ever know. It's Matthew 7, 11. Jesus said our heavenly father knows what we need even before we ask. Matthew 6, 8 doesn't mean we don't ask. It just means he already knows because he's in the boat. He knows. More than 100, more than 200, more than 300, more than 365 times in the scripture, you find some phrase or some form of the phrase, fear not. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Don't be afraid. There's one for every day of the year, every situation, every storm of life. Don't be afraid. So what are you struggling with today? What's brought fear to your lives? Why? Why? Who do you believe? Why? What promises has God given us in his word? about our storms and our situations today. What does God say about what's going on? Do you understand? Do you really know who's in the boat with you today? I want to pray for you right now. I believe the peace of God's going to just settle some things in your heart. You're going to begin to see a, a road forward out of where you are. A new way of thinking, a new way of living, a new way of peace. God's not given us a spirit of fear that just totally dominates our life. He's given us love, power, and a sound mind. Let me pray for you today. Father, I pray for everyone who's heard this message today. God, I pray that even right now, as as we sit in the privacy of our homes or wherever we might be, I ask that your peace would just begin to flood us. God, there are people who are wound so tight with anxiety that right now it just snaps and God, their emotions even begin to release. Some people will begin to smile. Some might begin to laugh. Some might begin to weep because things are breaking inside of them. The tension, the pressure is coming off because now they understand you've taken responsibility for the storms and the battles of their lives. God, our struggle is to stand in faith. Our struggle is to believe you. And right now, God, I wrap my heart around you. With everything going on in my world, I wrap my heart around you and I believe you totally and completely. And God, I ask you to drive all fear and unbelief out of my life and out of the life of every individual who's hearing this right now. And as you drive it out, just let your peace come in. 
Let the wind stop, the waves stop, and just let your peace flood us. God, I pray for people today. There's some people listening to this. They're in the middle of a really big storm. Help them understand that you're in the boat. You've got it under control. You're not going to let the boat go under. You know the end of the story, and you're going to see us through this storm. God, let that peace, that faith arise in our hearts. It's not a matter of you getting us out of the storm. It's a matter of you keeping us, protecting us, and seeing us through the storm. You've made the promise in your word that you will not allow us to be tested above what we can stand and what we can bear, but you will make a way of escape out of it. Father, I pray right now that people who are hearing this, who are at the end of their road, will just give you the steering wheel and let you make a way out of this situation in their lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Maybe you've listened to this today, and maybe while you've listened, you've thought, well, this is great, but... I really don't know God. You know what? We can change that in a moment's time. God loves you more than you will ever understand, more than you can ever get between your ears. God loves you more. He loves you so much. He paid a debt he didn't owe. He sent his son to die for your sins, to wipe them away, to forgive you so that you could become his child and begin to know him, know his peace. God wants to get in your boat today. But the way God operates is, He knocks on the door of your heart and says, can I get in the boat? And you have to invite him in. Say, yes, I need you. It all happens with words. Call it prayer, but it's just words. It's just talking to God. I want to lead you in a prayer right now to give you an opportunity to ask God to come into your life, get into your boat, begin to change everything. So let's pray and pray this prayer with me. Father, I need you. And I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Remove the barrier between us. I want to know you. I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe he was raised from the dead. And I accept Jesus as my Savior. I choose Jesus as the Lord of my life. I give you the steering wheel. I'll let you drive. I will ride with you. I will follow you. I will learn your word and your ways. From this day forward, you'll be my father, my God, and I will be your child. Thank you for calling me. Thank you for receiving me. From this moment forward. I'm yours. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, it's the most important prayer you can ever pray in your entire life. And this is just the beginning of the journey. It's not the end. And we've got a simple little tool we'd love to give you. It's a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. It's just a little nugget for each day of the the next week that'll help you start building a relationship with God. We want to give it to you. We feel like it's our responsibility to do that. And you know what? There's, there's no strings attached to this. Right now on the screen, you, there are several different ways you can get this. Whatever instructions are on your screen, follow those instructions. Again, no strings attached. We simply want to put this in your hand and help you start building a relationship with God. 
And you know what? Everybody watching this online, everybody who's hearing this later on, in their hearts and with their own hands, they're applauding that you've joined the family of God. You're a brother, you're a sister, you're a child of God, and we welcome you into God's family today. God bless you. Hey, take God's word. Let it drive fear out of your heart and out of your life. Let's trust God. As we close today, two final things. Number one, every week we always remind you there are several ways you can give. We never put pressure on you. We don't ask and expect anything specific from you except know God's word, give to God. And I'm going to tell you something. As you honor God, God will honor your life. He'll bless you. Scripture tells us that God is a good God. He's a God of blessing. and He blesses us to be a blessing. So when we receive his blessing and we give back to him and his work, he blesses us more and more and more. Hey, God bless you today. Thank you so much for your faithfulness in this season. God's a faithful God. You're a faithful people. We appreciate you. God's message is being taken not just to our community. It's going around the world because of your faithfulness. Thank you so much. And then last of all, Tonight at 6 o'clock, once again, out on our plaza, we're going to have an open-air outdoor service. It's a great time. This is the third week we've done this, and we've seen hundreds of people come out, sit in their lawn chairs, some sit in their cars. You know, we encourage you to observe social distancing, or as I like to call it, anti-social distancing, so you can stay away from others. Be sure and respect each other as we do this tonight. We'll have some worship. we got a couple of special things planned. I'm not going to tell you what they are. It's going to be a great night. Our service will last about 45, 50 minutes. The kids will be involved. The kids will love it. Hey, God bless you. We love you. Have a great day. We'll see you at 6 o'clock sharp tonight. God bless you. If you made a decision to follow Christ for the first time, or you decided to rededicate your life, we want to help you begin your journey of faith. We have a free gift we want to give you called The Next 7 Days. It's a simple tool that will help you take your next steps. If you'd like to get it, just direct message us on Facebook or Instagram with the words Next 7. You can also click the link right there in the platform that you are watching from. We'll be happy to connect with you and get this gift to you. We are so glad that you made this life-changing decision. Thanks again for joining us today for Church Online at the Bridge. We love you, we are praying for you, and we are believing for God's best in your life. We will see you soon.